0: everybody, oh, so good! How much better was that? How much better was the energy on that? Um, I am putting a timer on so that um, this is one of those sermons where um, the Holy Spirit didn't give me like a clear line to follow. So I've got like this page here and kind of notes, and we've got a Bible down here and we've got the seasonal guide, and so there's going to be discernment as we go, um, the kind of like on and off. So um, Um, you guys can send me signals of kind of what's good and that will help me um, in this communal discernment process of what um, is going to get shared. I've set a timer for 20 minutes. Um, Awesome. Something I feel like doing, um, just for a fun starter, is um, giving everybody a sense in the room of like how old or new different people are. We did this a few years ago um, where we lined up in like an age line um, for Blueprint's 15th birthday party from like you've arrived in the last six months to you were here kind of around the start. And um, people were shook about where they were on the age line. Um, Over half the room was people that arrived in the last year. Um, And people, like, I remember I was standing really near to Holly, and Holly was like, I'm pretty much a grandma. I'm like all the way over here. And was like, what the heck? Um, So um, put your hand up if you've been around Blueprint for kind of six or seven years. Awesome, okay. All right, what about kind of four or five years? Awesome. What about kind of two or three years? Awesome. What about you arrived um, kind of about a year ago? Cool. What about you arrived in like the last six months? Six months. And what about you've kind of arrived in the last month? Hands up, be proud, hands up. Awesome. So there's a bunch of people who are pretty fresh. Um, A huge welcome to you. We are, in um, many ways, like a pretty young community. Sometimes you rock into church and it's like, who's been here for 50 years? And people are like, yo, that's us. Um, That's not the case here. Pretty um, dynamic community in and out. There's plenty of space um, to make this place home. Um, Some ways um, that making home together looks like is um, things like building this altar, like um, designing and writing guides together, um, like stringing up lights, chucking um, on Zooms, praying for each other, having dinner together, journeying through the ups and downs in life, helping one another find counselling, going for coffee, um, grieving together, laughing together, um, and trying to be faithful to Jesus' invitation to us together. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of space to make this place home, um, and we would yeah love to have more people join this whānau. So this is the seasonal guide that Esme just mentioned. Um, this amazing lady named Hannah O'Donovan did the design for it, Um, So beautiful, and um, a number of people in this room wrote the content for it. We're in our second week, it's a six-week guide, there are a bunch of them over here. So if you would like a physical copy of a guide, um, if you're in a position to give a koha, um, we would so love that to help us print these, but they're available online and you're just welcome to take one and journey with that content. So if you've got a guide with you, you could open that up and write some notes on it. Um, I love um, Brienne's seasonal guides. I like annotated all around them, like the tiniest font in and out of every letter, um, just like absolutely maximizing. Um, If that's you, feel free to like doodle or sketch if that helps you to concentrate. You're so welcome. So um, this season is Stations of the Cross and um, we are on Jesus is Betrayed and Denied. um, So week two. We're gonna come back to that in a moment, but first I'm gonna tell you guys a story, one about little women and another one about a little woman. Um, so, first of all, Little Women. Who has seen um, the movie rendition of Little Women? It came out, it came. yeah, okay, honestly, yeah, so great. I already esteemed you, Sam, but that was just, wow, what a guy. Um, so, it's such an incredible movie. Like, so, so good. Um, Esme famously said to me um, that she saw it on the 3rd of January. And she was like, this is the best movie of 2020, like on the 3rd of January. What a bold call. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen it, would highly recommend. I think it's such a beautiful tale. But what it centers around is um, the story of these sisters and their journey of life together and how they're really different and how their characters clash with one another and how they're all trying to overcome like a particular, I guess, like spot in their personalities. It's just really hard work for them. And so you've got Meg, who's the oldest, who's um, like vain and really struggles with um, judgment of of other people. She's got like a friend who she's always wanting to impress and she kind of just can't like quite get over it. And you've got Joe, who's like really forthright and like sometimes says things um, just like straight off the cuff and like hurts people's feelings and is like trying to manage her temper. And then you've got Beth, who's like super shy um, and is like really wise, but like, doesn't know how to like stand for herself in the world. And then you've got Amy who um, is kind of like materialistic and um, like I guess a bit like whimsical, kind of classic like youngest child, sort of like the rules don't apply to me. Um, And so there's just this beautiful tale of like their life together um, which is so cool. So that's the story of Little Women um, who, yeah, it's a tale around like people's vices and them trying to like grow through that together. Um, I'd love you to bring up the slide for us, Petra. This is a story of a little woman. Um, so this is Audrey Newport. Um, so Audrey, um, I remember when Audrey was born, um, I was living in the Lyle Bay community house um, as part of our kind of renew Communities fano. and Audrey just turned five recently. Um, which was super awesome. I think like quite a big deal when your kid turns five because then they like go off to school and it's like, oh my gosh, my baby, off they go. Um, And I was talking to Audrey's parents about like, man, how was it to have Audrey go off to school and how was her birthday party? And they were saying like, yeah, she had an amazing birthday party. Um, Someone made her all these awesome cupcakes. um, And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then they said, and Audrey said to us, Mum, can you please save a cupcake um, for me to have, like, after my first day of school, like, as a treat? And I was like, whoa, that is, like, quite a lot of self-control from a five-year-old to not just demo all the cupcakes at the time, but to think, like, days ahead and be like, I would like to have a treat after my first day of school. Does that not strike you as, like, quite a lot from someone that's five? And then Cindy said, Audrey is, yeah, really self-controlled. She's still got chocolate in the fridge from Christmas, So this is a photo of Audrey's chocolate from Christmas, which she's just slowly chipping away at. Um, And, like, in the room, there were some people who were just, like, as adults in their 30s, we do not have that self-control. Like, Audrey, disciple me. Like, what is that? So I said to Cindy, "Um, can I tell the story about Audrey at church? And she was like, sure. Like, do you want me to send a photo of Audrey with the treats? And then I was like, yeah, that would be so awesome. So this is Audrey. So I tell that story because – I've been reflecting this week, we've got this passage um, of three friends, um, Jesus, uh, Judas, and Simon Peter, and um, about the struggle, uh, the temptations, the vices that Peter, Simon Peter, and Judas encounter. Um, Struggles that are based on their personality, like particular temptations they're probably more likely to fall into based on who they are. Audrey, probably not going to be struggling with kind of self-control as like a big kind of vice in her life, probably could teach the nations about how to do it. But um, our crew, um, they have these like particular struggles and we're in this part of the movie of the story of their lives where like it's all going down. Like we're jumping in to the final hours of Jesus' life um, where his friends are like, under heaps of pressure, where he's under heaps of pressure, and we're seeing, like, the true form of their character come out, because that's what often happens when when pressure comes on. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to kind of frame that up tonight, because I think it's easy for us to read these stories, and um, to just kind of skip right through to the other side, but the journey of Lent is about journeying with Jesus to the cross, and it's, like, pretty agonizing. Like, I found it really hard to write this sermon, because I want to jump to the other side and tell us what happens when things come good, but right now, it's just really tough um, in, in the story, like, it's really, it's like, I don't know if you guys can think of times where maybe you're reading a book, and then, like, your mom calls you for dinner, and you are like, got to put the book down, but you're like, this is the part where, what's going to happen next, or maybe, like, a TV show back in the day when they came out weekly, and you couldn't just binge them, and you're like, what, I have to wait a week to find out what happens, um, this is kind of where we are in, in the story. So we're in Luke 22 and what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, read this little bit and then I'm going to go back quickly over kind of some of Jesus' friendship with Judas and Simon Peter and some of the events of what's been happening and then um, land with, I think, just, I guess, some take-homes we can have even in the midst of this unresolved story. Cool. So um, Luke 22. This is... um, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. It says, while he was still speaking, this is Jesus, suddenly a crowd came and one of them called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? And then um, the scripture skips ahead a little bit. Um, I actually think I'll read that little in between bit because it's a little bit confusing. We, we couldn't fit it all in the seasonal guide because of... Um, the cuteness of design necessities, but um, I think we will read it all. So we've just read 47 and 48. When Jesus' followers saw um, what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion, that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing them, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard he sat down he sat down together. And Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later another Another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So, a bit of context about the friendships that are going on here. Throughout um, the story of Luke's gospel, um, we we get the kind of emerging journey of Jesus with his friends, the disciples. Um, and we know that from the stories um, in all the gospels that they've been journeying with Jesus through some pretty amazing stuff. Um, Jesus has equipped them with power to heal and proclaim Um, the Ministry of Reconciliation with God, that they've been like active participants in what Jesus has been doing. Um, They've been with Jesus at times where he's healed people, where he's performed miracles, when he's um, taught, um, and when, yeah, he's been around for chill times, just like dinner parties, um, like real long walks. Um, Apparently it's 107 kilometers from Nazareth to Jerusalem, so that's kind of like the Oxfam trail walker, which I hear is like great kind of friendship consolidation times. Um, so they've been doing a lot of like walking around the countryside, um, and like that's just that's a bonding experience. Um, so they, they know each other well. They're good friends, and um, what we learn about um, some of these characters in the stories is that Judas, Judas throughout the Gospels, um, like we don't hear heaps and heaps about him, um, but like the, one of the kind of impressions we get is that he's a bit of a greedy guy and is a little bit kind of like conniving when it ter- when it comes to money. So um, for example, when one of Jesus' friends, Mary, pours a bottle of perfume over Jesus' feet um, as an act of love, Judas um, kind of gets a bit salty about it and says like, oh, like why did she do that? That's like a really bad use of resources. We could have like given that money away to the poor, like what the heck? Um, and like he's kind of in charge of the disciples' flat account. And so he's kind of saying like, oh, we could have, like, we could have done a, like, something else with it. Um, but we're also told that like, he was actually kind of taking a cut of the flat account. So he himself is kind of buying treats on the flat account for himself. Um, but it's kind of being like, oh, like, these people, they're really misusing their money, like whatever. So he's, um, I guess for all of us um, on journeys where we realize we ourselves... Um, like, have a weak spot, sometimes we can actually be really judgmental of other people in that same space. And that's a bit of what we see from Judas in this space. Simon Peter, he's a bit of a different character. Um, throughout the Gospels, we get a bit of story of him maybe being, like, quite arrogant. Um, he's quite hot-headed. He's quite rash. He, like, sort of speaks before he thinks. He jumps in. Um, and in, um, earlier in Luke 22, while Jesus is having the Passover meal with um, his disciples, Jesus says to Simon Peter, um, like, you're, you're going to deny me, um, like, the way things are going to pan out, like, I'm going to go, my hours come, things are going to get really bad, and you're going to ditch me um, and deny me. And Simon Peter, even though Jesus, like, says that straight to him, he's like, nah, I won't. I won't be that guy. I would die for you. No way I'm giving up. And he is, like, really sure of himself. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, what we see um, for both of them is that um, these, like, spots in their personalities, these spots in their, their character um, really get exploited with the, the pressure of this time. We get told in Judas's instance that there's, like, a lot of spiritual oppression that comes upon him, um, that there's, um, like, in this space around money, he is, um, like, these reference throughout, like, different gospel accounts of, like satanic influence over Judas and his choice to betray Jesus which he chooses to do in exchange for some money but people have been like man the money it doesn't even seem like enough like there must have been something else going on there like was he um like motivated around like political influence or like getting in with the leaders because like w- was his desire for like greed and influence you know like trying to, trying to reconcile like what, what went on what were his motives but um Whatever they were, um, he made like the choice, um, and I guess the like um, forces of evil like dog piled on like that weak spot in his character, and he ends up betraying Jesus and um, betrays him nonetheless um, with like a kiss, which is like in anyone's language uh, a sign of like intimacy and loyalty and like familiarity, um, and he's the one that leads um, the crew of like chief priests to Jesus. Because he knows where he'll be, um, the language of betray, um, which is used in um, like our English language, is um, in Greek the language of handing over. So he makes like a conscious choice to hand over Jesus um, to the authorities to like turn him in. And Simon Peter, um, like even though he's like really sure of himself, when the pressure comes on, um, he is obviously really afraid and doesn't want to be associated with Jesus, who's getting like locked up and it's looking pretty dire. And it's pretty easy to like have judgment over these people um because we know the other side of the story, but they were real people facing some pretty full on stuff, and the rest of the disciples just gapped it like they actually ran away and Matthew and Mark's account it just says that they they fled and um the thing is that's really struck me in reading this passage, and I'd really encourage you guys to um like spend take the time to like read through multiple times over this Lenten season, um, this account um, in Luke's gospel, is that Jesus knows that these things are going to happen. He knows that they're going to betray him and let him down. But he also knew that way at the start, and he still invited them to follow him and to be part of his crew, and that he he chooses um, this way of encountering real rugged emotions, like betrayal and rejection is just like right up there with some of the most rugged human emotions. And I know Many people in the, r- in the room will be like, yes, it is. It's very awful to feel that. Um, and Jesus um, openly like chooses to go that way because he invites people to follow him who will make mistakes and who will have character failings. That's that's only the people that Jesus invites is the people that aren't perfect, and that's us. And so, um, yeah, I guess like where we've got to in this story is that Jesus and the disciples, they pull up to Jerusalem for a festival. The festival's Passover, but I like to imagine this. Who here has been to a festival? Like, of some kind. A lot of people. Okay, so imagine you're pulling up with your crew to to a festival. And um, the Mount of Olives is like where you're said, like, oh, yep, this is the area you go camp. So people that are arriving to Jerusalem for festival, Mount of Olives, that's your spot, go and camp there. Um, And Jesus is like the humble skunks kind of celebrity um, of the festival. Like he's, there's a lot of hype surrounding Jesus' arrival at the festival. A lot of people have seen what he's been doing over the last little while. And he's he's like pretty humble guy, but there's a lot of energy around him. And so um, the people who are running the festival, um, the high priest people, um, they don't, they don't want to just take him out directly. Like they can't just kind of grab him and take him and go because they know a lot of the crowds are like quite invested in this Jesus guy. And so they wanting to get rid of him, but they can't just do it outright. They have to do it sneakily. And that's, um, in that moment, that's where one of Jesus' groupies, really like riffing on the festival theme, Judas, um, decides to change sides and to dob him in and be like, I know where he's camping and I can take you there. So Jesus is, hasn't come to Jerusalem for his, for his glory, for his hype, but um, he's come um, to like do the will of his father. He's come to follow through on this mission that God's given him, um, and he knows that that will eventually lead him to the cross. And so he has this feast, he has a big kai with his closest friends, and he predicts the betrayal, he predicts the, ben- the denial, um, and the, I think some of the reasons he does this is to minimize the disciples' shock about what's about to happen, um, to show them that he's choosing this, that he knows what's gonna happen, but he's gonna choose that way anyway. That's 20 minutes, all right, good. Um, and to kind of show some more of his identity, um, like he, he's predicting the future. He's predicting how things are going to play out and he's helping to explain to them, we're here for Passover. Um, and what's about to happen is that I am going to be the new Passover. Like while the lambs are being slaughtered as part of like Jewish tradition of Passover, my life will be broken open and that will be this new Passover for this new thing that God's doing. And so he sees all that, and there's this beautiful thing. I encourage you to read it. He says to Peter, "You're going to fail me, bro. But when you realize, when you realize you've failed, um, like turn back and encourage the others um, to come back as well." And so this isn't the part that I get to preach on tonight because that's not <laughs> where we're at. Because we're in Lent and we don't get to get to the happy bit of the story. But um, we're we're here in this um, this space of Peter's disowning and denial. But what I want to, um, I guess, finish with in terms of my encouragement for us is this, um, this last bit where it says, um, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He remembered the words that the Lord had spoken to him. And he went out and he wept bitterly. And I think that those are three things that we can um, like take hold of tonight in the spaces where we encounter just our own brokenness and our own experience of sin. One, know that um, Jesus sees us. And not just in a kind of like the Lord's always watching, kind of like Santa Claus, naughty or nice way. But like Jesus sees in a really fulsome way all of us. And Jesus knows, and Jesus invites us to journey with him, already knowing that there are going to be times where we make mistakes and let him down. But Jesus sees the spaces of those mistakes and of those shortcomings. So Jesus sees. Um, Peter sees Jesus seeing, and he remembers the words that the Lord has spoken to him. And so in those spaces where, um, yeah, like recognition of like sin and brokenness comes to light, like remembering what has God, what has God said to me? And then like going out and having a bit of cry. (laughs) And so um, that that is kind of some of what I want to bring to us um, tonight, that um, confession and acknowledgement of um, humans not being perfect is a part of our tradition. We're not part of like a self-help movement that says we can be perfect and you have to be tidy and shiny and nice and nail it all the time. That's that's not the people we are. We're the messy people of God who try again and again to live lovingly towards God and towards one another, knowing that we need Jesus and knowing that we need the cross. Um, yeah, a question that I read in one of the commentaries I read is, what might we learn from Peter's fall and subsequent restoration? Do we need a theology of failure? I thought that was an interesting question. Being seen by Jesus for better or worse. Jesus only works with sinners. He only works with imperfect people who acknowledge their need for him. And so I had a few um, little slogans that I was um, running past Dan and Esme, kind of as a as a laugh. Where is that bit of paper gone? This always happens. Um, yeah, so good. Um, so, take-homes... Um, Sharing, not secrecy. Um, Secrecy is where shame gets in um, and spiritually where we're a lot more vulnerable. Um, With the enemy, um, the king of lies can kind of jump in on, um, yeah, some of those kind of like weak spots in our hearts and spin a whole bunch of stuff that we don't need. But when we share that with God and with one another, um, there's like way more opportunity for freedom, for healing, for transformation. So sharing, not secrecy. Um, crying, not lying. Um, <laughs> just like it's okay to recognize that you make mistakes and that you have let other people down and that you let God down. That's that's okay. Have a cry about it. Crying is good. Um, you don't need to lie. Um, prayer, not pretending. Um, Jesus <laughs> calls us... Um, To be people of prayer, a lot of times in this Luke 22 chapter, Jesus is like, pray for yourselves. I'm praying for you. Like, pray for yourselves. Um, So, yeah. And like, own that for other people. Like, I'm praying for you. Or like, I need prayer. Don't pretend you're okay if you're not okay. It's okay to not be okay. Um, Another one that I decided not to share um, is team, not me, Um, which didn't totally totally fit, which is kind of my way of saying, like, um, um, like look to the people that are around you, not just like avoidantly scrolling for your help. Um, so team not me. Um, I could go on, but I won't <laughs> because the time is over 20 minutes. Um, so how are we going to finish this? Um, this unfinished sermon midway through betrayal, denial, grief, um, and Jesus heading to the cross, um, is with liturgy. So I passed around a bunch of bits of paper if you don't have one, um look to the person next to you, team not meme, Um just share. Share amongst yourselves. Um and I've got a few extra ones if we need them. Does anybody need one? Are you are you Do g- you guys good to share? You got you need. Bloop bloop. Awesome. I feel like there was a little bit of a stack more somewhere. Oh, they're done here. Yes. Um so if you're unfamiliar with liturgy, one of the things I love about it is it's participatory. So we say the words in bold together, and it's a way that everybody gets to be involved. It's also like a no surprises format. You just get to journey through it, and the words are on the page. And it's just like, I don't know, just quite a good container, particularly when it's like, ugh. So um, bring um, what's on top. Bring um, any feelings or thoughts from this talk or from your day um, to this space. And I invite you to um, say the words in bold um, all together. So let's just take a moment to be still first. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us to be a kingdom, priests serving, serving His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Upon all who have been forsaken, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all who have been betrayed by a kiss, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all who are deserted by friends, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all misunderstood by loved ones, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all who are in physical pain, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all suffering mental anguish, Lord, come in your mercy. Upon all at the point of death, Lord, come in your mercy. And altogether, O oh Lord, you are my refuge. I cry to the Lord with my voice. To the Lord I make a loud supplication. I pour out my complaint before him and tell him all my trouble. When my spirit anguishes within me, you know my path. In the way wherein I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. I look to my right hand and find no one who knows me. I have no place to flee. Um, I have no place to flee to and no one who cares for me. I cry out to you, O Lord, I say, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry for help, for I have been brought very low. Save me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. When you have dealt bountifully with me, the righteous will gather around me. O Lord, you are my refuge. Would someone else like to read this one? Just to mix it up. Yeah, awesome, Virgil. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you've been returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Altogether, death will be no more. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. Death will be no more, and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them death will be no more he will wipe every tear from their eyes death will be no more death will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away death will be no more lord have mercy and we'll yeah the our father is um praying the lord's prayer so feel free to pray pray that out if you know it they haven't got the whole thing here With broken hopes and broken promises, we come to you, Lord, for you alone can make us whole. With broken relationships and broken hearts, we come to you, Lord, for you alone can make us whole. With the broken in body and the broken in mind, we come to you, Lord, for you alone can make us whole. With the broken in spirit and the despairing, we come to you, Lord, for you alone can make us whole. I'm going to read um, this middle bit, and then I reckon we read the the very last bit, which starts through His wounds altogether. So, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, who at this evening hour rested in the Sepulchre, not sure what that is, and sanctified the grave to be a bed of hope to your people, make us so deeply sorry for our sins, which were the cause of your passion, that when our bodies lie in the dust, our souls may live with you. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you live and reign now and forever. Amen. And all together. Through his wounds, may you find healing. Through his pain, may you find relief. Through his suffering, may you find freedom. Through his cross, may you find victory. Amen. I invite you guys to stand and we're going to sing together now um, to respond and to bring ourselves before God um, and one another.